Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Amen. Amen. Get out your Bibles if you would. If you don't have one with you, we'll have some verses on the screen. Uh, but it's always good to bring your Bible to church. And by the way, I got some props today. You know it's going to be a good message when pastor brings props. All right, cool. Especially when one of the props is a Clippers hat. Come on, somebody. Oh, I don't want to hear moans out there like, oh. I mean, you're probably a bandwagon fan anyway, so he's like, oh, go Bucks. You know, go, go, go to Golden State. Whatever. We all know that the Clippers is the best team, so. Um, but you're going in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And uh, we've been in a series here at Canvas Church entitled the Soapbox Series in which we've been going uh, through what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. This is the best sermon in all of Scripture. It's the best sermon ever preached in the world. And even if you don't believe that, you have to say that because Jesus is the one that preached it, all right? And so Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, these three chapters lay out what is known as the Sermon on the Mount in which Jesus begins to talk about some things very specific to believers, how believer, who believers are, how they're to live out their life, uh, and different things. And so we just thought, man, let's just go through it. So we find ourselves in chapter 5 and going to do four verses today. Um, and what's so crazy about this, how many of you guys are here for Pastor Julian last week? Such a great message. Only four of you were here. All right. Um, there, I don't know where he was at, but it was a great message. Um, and uh, he preached a message. Now, here's what you understand. When we invite a guest speaker in, we don't give them a topic to preach on. We just believe that if God's telling us to invite them in and bring them in, um, that whatever word they bring is what God wants to say to our church. And, uh, man, if you weren't here, you got to go back and listen to it. But um, the essence of his message was this, is that um, God loves people, and he wants, you, he wants to use you to reach people. All right? And so go after the one. That, that just summed it up. And, um, and, that, and so I didn't know that's what he's going to preach on. He, he really could have preached the next four verses of the Sermon on the Mount. And you're going to hear that today. But I, I want you to understand that I had no idea what he was going to preach about. And he was preaching about us being the agents of change in our world, going after the one, seeing more people come to Jesus. And yet we find ourselves here again talking about the same thing in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. going to read it to you from the New Living Translation. So we're only 13 verses in. Jesus has just started the sermon. And the reason it's called the Sermon on the Mount is because Jesus positioned himself uh, on a mountainside so that the people could hear him. The Bible says there were multitudes coming to him. Crowds were coming to him. And so he positioned himself in such a way that when he talked, they could hear him. But the Bible very clearly states that once his disciples gathered around him, that's when he began to teach. And I've been talking about this, that, um, that when Jesus taught, he taught his disciples, because he's teaching, hey, believers, followers of me, this is the way of life. But he would do it in such a way that even the crowds that were there could hear and understand and then make a decision for themselves. Hey, do I want to be a Christian as well? Do I want to be a Christ follower? And so Jesus is doing this now. There's the crowds, but he's teaching the disciples. And we just came out of what is known as the Beatitudes. In other words, this is what it looks like when heaven invades earth and the culture that surrounds the life of a believer. But now we get into these next four verses, and Jesus is actually talking about who we are as believers. All right? Verse 13. And it reads, You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor or its ability to salt things? Can you make it salty again? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is no. It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot 
as worthless. Next verse. It says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Here's what Jesus has just done. Jesus has just used two metaphors to describe who his followers are. And these metaphors meant something to them. They understood the potency of them, the power of them. And so now they're leaning in and they're asking this question of, of, of how am I going to accomplish that? What is this unto? What does he mean by this? That I'm the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Jesus uses two metaphors that impose themselves onto or into something that change it completely. Are you with me? When salt hits something, it changes it. When light shines, it chases away the darkness. And he says, this is who you are. You are, in essence, he's saying this, you are my agents of change in the world to completely transform it. Right? This is what he's entrusting. This is what he put on us. This is what, hey, I'm giving this authority to you. I'm giving this over to you. I'm giving you this ability, you this power. As you go out, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Verse 15, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket because that's pointless. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Now let's put the two together. He says, man, you're the light of the world. Hey, let me, let me show you what I mean by that. It's like that big city that's on a hill that you can't hide. That's who you are, okay? Just like if a lamp is turned on in a house, it doesn't give light just to the one who turned it on. It gives light to everyone that is there. This is who you are to be in the world. Everywhere you go, it's not just you having vision, it's not just you having clarity, it's not just you having direction, but everywhere you go, you're the light of the world that brings it to others. Are you with me today? But then he gets to the ultimate purpose of why. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, and we'll talk about that. But here's why. So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Be the kind of salt and be the kind of light that at the end of it all, they are glorifying Jesus. When is the last time you hung out with somebody and they walked away knowing Jesus better? Knowing Jesus more. That's what he's saying here. Hey, be salt, be light. And here's the impact you'll have. Here's the end goal in mind. It's not for your popularity. It's not for your fame. It's not so you'll be praised. It's so that glory will be given to your heavenly Father. You're salt and you're light. You're the agents of change. I'm entrusting this whole entire kingdom to, this whole entire process to, to bring change. Let me pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. Uh, God, your word is amazing. God, I pray that you'd help me now create an environment for people to discover you, Jesus, to know your immense love and realize the incredible plan that you have for them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And I remember back uh, to one time when uh, something was entrusted to me that wasn't my own. Uh, some, some authority, some, some power, some, some, you know, some things, some decision-making skills. I was 21 years old, and I was a valet in downtown Seattle. Anybody else out there ever valet cars? You ever park cars? I'm telling you, it's like one of the funnest jobs ever. Get to drive cars that I'll never be able to drive in my life. 
because uh, I can't afford them. Um, I still remember one time I was working at this one restaurant, and, um, and, and when you think about it, the valet concept is kind of a little bit crazy um, because you are tr entrusting 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds for, you know, sometimes a $300,000 car. It's kind of, you know what I mean? It's why insurance for a valet company is so high. It's like there's brain surgeons and there's valets, right? And, uh, and so I, I'll never forget um, this, this Lamborghini pulls up. I don't know what they cost. I've never looked because I'll never be able to afford one, all right? Um, and I remember one pulled up, and I go to open the door for the guy. The guy doesn't get out. We open up the door for his wife. His wife gets out, and I'm standing there waiting for him to get out. And he just looks at me. He goes, what are you doing? I was like, well, I'm going to park your car. He goes, no, you're not. He goes, if I don't trust my wife to drive this thing, I'm not going to trust you to drive it. He's like, I love this woman more than anything in the world, but I don't even like, I don't even know you. You ain't driving my Lamborghini. And I was like, oh, okay. He goes, I'm just going to park it right here. And I was like, yes, you are, <laughs> you know. Um, but I remember I've been valeting for about a year, and, uh, and the owner of the valet company came to me and said, hey, I want to talk to you. I've seen your work ethic. I've seen how faithful you've been, and I want you to run the company for me. And I was just like, well, what all does that entail? And he explained it. And um, so I took over scheduling. There was like eight or nine different locations, like 40 or 50 employees. Little did I know that God would be preparing me for ministry in the future through that. And so I had all these locations, all these employees, and I was learning how to run this company. And, um, and you know, you're working with college students who are super faithful. <laughs> And uh, I remember there was this one particular that just kept having problems with, and I talked to them. I said, hey, you didn't show up for your shift. Well, I switched with so-and-so, and I said, well, I talked to them. That didn't happen and, and whatnot. And so I went to the owner, and I'm like, hey, man, I'm having a problem with this one employee. And he said, so what are you doing about it? I said, oh, I'm coming to you about it. He's like, I know, but I, I, you are running the company. What are you doing about it? And I was just like, well, what would you do about it, you know? Um, and I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to schedule him as much. And he's like, that's it? And I'm like, I don't know. I go, what would you do? And he goes, you need to fire him. And I was like, oh, I'd never fired it. I'd never even been in a position to fire anybody before. And I'm in this position. Now I got to tell this kid that, like, hey, by the way, you no longer have, have a job. And I remember uh, the feeling of a of, of little bit of weight, but of full comprehension and understanding of, of what he was now really truly asking of me. He was asking me to run this company as if I owned the company. I want you to run the company for me. When Jesus looks at his disciples and he says these words, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He is asking his disciples and his followers to run the ministry for him. He is asking them to be the agents of transformation and change throughout the whole entire world. Do you understand that? He says, you, you, you. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm one of the disciples sitting there, I'm kind of like, isn't that why you came? Like, I thought, I thought that's why you came. I thought you were the light of the world. I thought you were the one bringing change. And Jesus now flips the script and says, hey, I've brought you into this thing. You are now the ones that are going to bring change into everything. See, when salt and light are used as metaphors, you got to understand, they understood what salt and light meant. Salt to them was, was, was hard to come by, but it's also very valuable and very useful, had many useful things. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And when it says light, now you and I can take these things for granted. Because I guarantee you, if I go to your cupboard, you are going to have salt in some format, even if you like raisin. I don't, I don't eat salt. I guarantee you have salt in your cupboard. It's just there. Right? Every time you go to a restaurant, there is a salt shaker on the table. Like, what chef doesn't trust their food enough to put a salt shaker on whatever? 
We, we take it for granted. We go to a light switch. We flip on a light. We don't even think about it. It's just there. Okay? It wasn't like that for them. These, these things had meaning to them. These things were things that imposed themselves into or onto something that immediately bring transformation and change. And he says to them, this is who you are. I'm entrusting you to bring transformation into the world. I'm choosing you. I'm using you for a purpose. And the ultimate purpose is that I, him, God, would be glorified in all the earth. You got to be salty. You got to be bright. And it's for a purpose. It's so that he would be glorified. This echoes other verses, such verses as Ephesians 2.10. Uh, one of our hallmark verses here at Canvas Church has been one of my hallmark verses for most of my life. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. Isn't that awesome? Like, what a great thought. Like, like he calls me a masterpiece. I'm salty, I'm bright, and I'm a masterpiece. So awesome. You're, you're his masterpiece. Why are you his masterpiece? Because he's created you anew in Christ Jesus. I mean, you weren't. You ugly. You, you were not that great. And then Jesus creates us anew. We become the masterpiece. But check this out. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. And he enters into your life to transform you into the masterpiece so that you can do that. How about this one, 1 Peter 2, 9. But, but you're not like that. Not like what? You're not like the rest of the world. For you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. I don't know about you, but when I read that, that, that gets me excited. This is what salt does. Salt is a cleansing and healing agent. Salt has the ability to cleanse and bring healing. So when Jesus is looking at his followers and he's talking to the church, he's saying, you know what? You have the ability to bring healing and cleansing to where? The world. You're the salt of the earth, the light of the world. You have the ability as my followers bring cleansing and bring healing. Salt has the ability to make you thirsty. So when, when Jesus is looking at his disciples and he describes salt, here's what he's saying. Hey, you, as my followers, have the ability to infiltrate culture and to make them hunger and thirst after the right things. When, when people hang out with you, are, are they walking away more thirsty for the things that God has He's saying, yeah, you have the ability to preserve. Specifically, listen to this. Believers in Christ are preservatives to the world, preserving it from the evil inherent in the society of ungodly people whose unredeemed natures are corrupted by sin. You and I have the ability to infiltrate that and to preserve and to help. We're salt. Another big one is this, is it adds flavor. Come on. I mean, I, how many guys like putting a little salt on your food when it doesn't have enough flavor? Let's be honest, right? It's not like the food came out and you're like, ah, that's bland. You send it back. What do you do? You grab the salt shaker, you put a little salt on it, and all of a sudden it's like, boom. It's great. It's great. And so, so it is with us as believers that when Jesus says you're the salt of the earth, that he's saying you have the authority, the ability, the power to go and bring flavor to the world. In other words, he's saying the world bland, it needs you. It needs you. Now, now here's the thing you need to understand. 
it, there's, there's problems in our culture, right? Like just, you know, go to social media, throw the news on, throw a show on, walk down the sidewalk, whatever. You know, if you have eyes and ears, you, you understand, hey, man, there's some stuff happening in the world. There's some stuff happening in the culture right now, and it ain't all that good. But here's what you need to understand is that too oftentimes we look at that as like, oh, my gosh, the world has gotten so bad. And yet the problem isn't the world. The problem is the salt. No one sits there and be like, oh, my gosh, this steak is so horrible. What is wrong with you, steak? Can't believe you don't have more flavor. Like, you're ridiculous. Can't believe how bad this is. And then sits there and complains the whole entire dinner while everybody eats their food. And you're just sitting there complaining about how bad the steak is. It's so bad. No, what do you do? You reach for the salt shaker. And the salt, the minute it touches, the minute the salt touches whatever it, it changes. It changes. That's how silly we are. If we're sitting out there like, well, I'm not sending my kid to school. Really? Because they're the salt that they need. Well, I'm not, I'm not doing that. This is, now listen to me. Parents, please don't take this out of perspective. You've prayed. You're the parent of your child. You've got to do what you believe God told you to do. But if you are living in fear, that is not God. Are you hearing me? That's not God. Well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to. No, like we're, we're salt. We're supposed to bring flavor. We're supposed to bring change. See, right? Because what, what, what does light do? Let's, let's look at what light does. Uses a metaphor. Says you're not getting with the salt? Well, let's look at the impact of light. Light chases away the darkness. Matter of fact, listen to this, John 1, 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. It can't, it can't put out the light. It can't overtake it. I mean, when you walk into a room and it's dark, you flow on the light, boom, the darkness is gone. That's you. That's you. The minute you walk into the room, the minute you walk into a conversation, the minute you walk into the setting, the minute you walk into your job place, the minute you walk into your school, the minute you walk into the supermarket, the minute you walk into wherever it is, that's you. Boom, it's lit up. Changes everything. It chases away the darkness. What else does light do? Listen to it. And so, so you are to do that. It gives, it gives clarity. Light brings clarity. I can see now. It brings clarity. So you, as a Christ follower, are to bring clarity to the world. The Bible says, if you've lost your saltiness, you're good for nothing. Remember who it's talking to. It's talking to the believers. Pastor, I, I liked it better when you were funny. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just relaying the greatest sermon. I didn't preach it. Jesus did. I'm just, I'm just taking what Jesus preached, and I'm just bringing it here. If you've lost your ability to be salty, you're good for nothing. That's what the Bible says. And this is the New Living Translation. This is the translation that puts things nicely. Hmm. Good for nothing. The light. Hey, you, you're the light of the world, but if you're hiding out under a basket or under a clipper's hat, if you're hiding out, like the light does nothing. It has no purpose whatsoever. 
Like, so great. So, so here, in other words, let me put it this way. Like, the, like, I love coming to church. So this is us in church. I did it in the first service. I tried covering it with my fingers and it didn't work. I love it. Like, we're all together. And like, like, we're being salty together. And it's like, I love these moments. Let's worship. Woo! That's us. And one of these days, that shaker will be more full. Come on, somebody. That's us. Oh, revival! Pursuit night! I love these things. I love revival. I love pursuit. I love worship. Oh, prayer. Prayer meeting. Miracles are happening. People are getting prayed for. This is awesome. We, I love celebrating. This is so fun. But it doesn't say that you're the salt of the church. It says you're the salt of the world. Salt of the world. The only way the salt has any impact is if it comes out of the shaker. So coming to church, listen to me, you should come to church. Because we get shaken up, we get more salty around each other, and we learn and we grow in the word. And we're like, oh, I'm supposed to be salty. And then we should go be salty. Like, I'm, I'm going to work tomorrow. Boom. I'm with a client. Boom. I'm at the restaurant after church. Boom, boom. <laughs> like I'm just being salty. It does no good to stay in the shaker. If it stays in the shaker, it has no purpose. Listen, so we can come together on Sundays and have all the great worship. We have great worship. We can have great ministry to the children and to the youth and to the young adults and all of our small groups. And it's all great. But the whole purpose of that is to tell you who you are. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Now go and go be salty on somebody. Go bring some light to somebody. Be the agents of change that I told you you are and I've empowered you to be. I mean, sitting around talking about, oh, my gosh, I'm so salty. I'm so amazing. You're amazing. Oh, look at you. Nice outfit today. Tell somebody, oh, God's good. Doesn't change anything. It's when we leave here and we go into the world and we go into the earth and we say, you know what you need? You need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. So we don't, we, we don't want to be compromised by just staying in the container and things coming in. No, the only way we're effective is as we come out. It's as we come out. Don't let the one percenters have the loudest voice. Come on, the church of Jesus Christ should have the loudest voice. We're sons and daughters of the king. And I, and I, I need you to hear this, though. This is not something we do. This is something we are. This is who we are. This is who we are. This is who we are. And he says this, so because of that, Here's how this works. I want people to see your life. This is what he's saying by good works. I want people to see your life and the way you live your life as salt and as light. And when they see that and they experience that, they will have to glorify me who is in heaven. And the reason why, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta know this, the reason why is because you and I ain't that good. We're not that good. We're not. But people are going to look at us. Like, I mean, even the disciples, when Jesus' disciples got arrested, and they were like, oh, what are we going to do with them? 
and they talked with them. This is what they said about the disciples. They realized that they were uneducated people. Modern day translation. They looked at them and said, they dumb. And then they said this, that they realized they had been with Jesus. See, you and I aren't that good. But all of a sudden, when we're out living life, and here's how we do it, by being constantly obedient to the teachings of Jesus Christ as found in Scripture, guess what happens? People look at our life and they're like, they dumb. They must have been with Jesus. And the only thing they can do is glorify our Father who is in heaven. Because you're walking through the same stuff they're walking through, but you're walking through with joy. You're walking with, with hope. You're walking through with faith. You're walking with, with a great outlook on life. You're walking through a completely different. You're walking in the same culture. You're seeing the same stuff. You're experiencing the same hardships, but there's something different about you. What is it? You salt. You're light. And they look at your good works. What are your good works? See, we think about good works, we instantly think about, I probably should sign up for that missions trip now. I should probably go back there and sign up for trunk or treat. And that's great. Those are all great things. And could those be considered good works? Yes, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the way you live your life, the way you love your spouse, the way you do your finances, the way you spend your money, the way you come to church, the way you show up at their job place, the way you help out a neighbor, the way you help out somebody in need, the way you deal with conflict, the way you ask for forgiveness, the way you don't hold a fence, the way you don't, are you with me? This is what he's talking about. He's not talking about, well, I better go sit out on the street now and tell everybody, I love Jesus. No, that's, that's a little too much salt. But if God's called you to do it, do it. It's, 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 it's just, a listen, it's a little bit here. It's not good work. God sees your good work. No, it's good works. And a little bit here. A little bit there, a little bit here. Oh, I said hi to my neighbor. I helped them build a fence. I brought them some food when they were in need. I checked in on them because I heard their kid was sick. I gave, I gave their kid a ride to school because their car was broke down. I, and all of a sudden, that little salt here and a little salt there, all of a sudden, they say, man, there's something different about you. What is it? Then you invite them in. Let me tell you who Jesus is. But if you ain't salt and you ain't light, you're good for nothing. God, we thank you so much for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. God, your word is amazing. God, I pray that today that we as, as, as Canvas Church would take these four verses and God, we would let them work in us and through us so that when we leave this place, God, we would leave salty and bright and that we would literally impact our culture and our world for you. Hallelujah. Just do me a favor. Just go and stand to your feet as we close this thing out. Man, God's good. That was a good message. I had fun preaching. I told you it was going to be good when pastor brings props. Now I'm just going to bring a vacuum in here. Either that or a steak. Come on, somebody. Um, if you're new to our church, uh, God's been doing incredible things. 2023, uh, we hit some, some big roadblocks. Um, our worship director uh, being diagnosed with cancer, pretty big roadblock. Um, but it was in that roadblock that 
God reminded us of the word he gave us before we hit 2023, that this would be the year that we partner with heaven to see the miraculous. And the miraculous just hasn't been what God's been doing in Betsy's body, and it has been a miracle. Um, it's been a combination of, of God moving and prayers and a combination of doctor's visits. And um, the story's incredible, and it's going to be told beyond the walls of this church. Um, but it's also the encounters she's been having on her doctor's visits. God's moving. Um, other people in our church, and I've, I've, I've expressed this before, that, man, just believe in for a child. And it's been years, and they're just unable. And I know that's not everybody's story. I know, I, I honestly, I don't know why God does it for one one way and why God doesn't do it for another. I don't, I don't fully understand that. That'll be a question I ask him when I get to heaven. Um, I'm I, I prayed for I've prayed for miracles. I've seen miracles that I was believing for in my own body. I've prayed it for people and seen it happen to them and then not in me. I don't know why. But I'll tell you what, I, I don't stop praying. I don't stop praying. Just keep believing, keep praying. We're seeing, we're seeing stuff, financial breakthrough, miracles, um, relationship restorations. Uh, God's just been doing incredible things. Um, and I believe he's not done. He's going to continue until he returns. I believe that. Um, but the other word he gave us, um, in addition to that, was out of Micah chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And uh, it says that in the last days, people are going to stream into the church. Now, the big church, not just Canvas Church, but we are part of the big church. Um, going to stream into the house of the Lord. And they're going to say one thing, hey, would you teach us his ways? In other words, what they're saying is, hey, would you teach us the word? And so all, all year long, we've been going back to those, whether it be in a staff meeting, whether it be in a one-on-one a -on -one meeting. Sometimes here on a Sunday morning, I'll just remind us, hey, God gave us these words, church. Now, this, is, this isn't my church, this is our church. This is, this is your home. This is your church. Um, and we've just been believing that, okay, God, people are going to stream in. People are going to stream in. And I was away with my wife at our pastor's network gathering. We get away once a year with these, a group of pastors. And, and the, the sessions just kept coming back to those two words. They didn't know that God gave us these words. But the, every session would come back to preach the word. People are coming. And God's going to part his spirit with miracles. Worded a little different. Same concept. And as I was sitting there, I just felt like the Holy Spirit pressed upon my heart. I said, Ben, why, why are you not believing for Micah 4, 1 and 2? And I said, what do you mean? He said, where, where's the streams? Why are, you not, why are you not contending and praying for the streams of people? He said, you've been praying for miracles in people's bodies and people's marriages and people's finances. And, and you're contending for that. Um, but why have you not been contending for the verse that I gave you, Micah 4, 1 and 2? And I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit come upon me. He said, I, I said, I told you there's going to be streams. And so on the last day... Um, they fly in people with prophetic gifts from all around the world. One guy coming from Chicago, another one from Oregon, just all over. And both places that we got prayed for, uh, they said, I see lines of people. Streams, lines. I see lines of people. And I was just like, God was just reminding me, okay, God, like, all right. But he said again, why are you not, why are you not contending for that? And I shared last Sunday, if you're here, um, the Holy Spirit dropped a specific number in my heart for the end of 2023. And um, I felt like he said, Ben, I want you to contend for a thousand people on a Sunday before the end of the year. And I know some of you hear that and you're like, like, I like my seat. <laughs> I like my parking spot. Don't really like your vision, Pastor. Um, I get it. 
I mean, I know it's nice to come in and have the seat that you like to sit in because we're creatures of habit. We sit in the same, same spot. Um, but there are so many people that don't know Jesus. There are so many people that you have the ability to influence and impact by being salt and light that don't know Jesus. I, I, mean, I guarantee you right now, you could probably think of 10 people in your life, friends, people you call friends that don't know Jesus. And so when you start thinking about your seat, think about them. And I, I don't know about you, but I mean, parking lot team, I'd love to see some parking lot battles going on on a Sunday morning. You know what I'm talking about when you're at Costco and you see that one spot? And you're zooming up to get it and somebody else pulls in and you're staring each other down. Am I the only Christian that's ever done that? And I wasn't, I wasn't being salt at that moment. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be my spot. How fun would that be happening in our parking lots right here? Like, and it's like, oh, no, you get it. Praise Jesus. You come in and your seat's taken. You're like, ah, no big deal. I'll go sit in the front with Pastor. Like seven open seats right here. Until I filled up. Thank you. Um, and so I, I'm going to ask you, because I believe this on my heart. There, there, it's, it's no coincidence that Pastor Julian preached what he preached last week, not knowing. And then here we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. God's speaking something to our church. And here's what he's speaking You're the agent of change. You're the agent of change. You're the agent of change. And as you go out, you be salt. And you go out, you be light. The streams are coming. But I feel compelled by the Holy Spirit to share that with you, to invite you in. Would you pray with me? Between now and the end of the year, God, would you send the thousands? God, would you send the thousands? Some of those are your friends. Some of those are your coworkers. Some of those are your teammates. Some of those are your, uh, you know, classmates. Would you contend with me? Would you pray with me? And believe that God is going to. Here's the other thing he spoke. He said, I want you to believe for double. Um, and actually, that's about double. Um, a little more than double, but um, I, I felt like you said, believe for double the miracles that you've seen. Believe for double the anointing. Believe for double the outpouring of my spirit. Believe for double the finances in the last three months. And so I wanted to share that with you and ask you, hey, would you join with me? And let's just pray. See what God does through December. I mean, come on. We'd be doing three Christmas Eve services, not because of that, but because Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday. So we're going to do our two Sunday morning ones and a Sunday evening one. Come on, how cool would it be to see people just streaming in? Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray. Hopefully, yeah, this, uh, this message helped you today, showed you who you are. Again, it's not something you've got to go out and, and try to be. It's just who you are. Just be you. Love Jesus. Be obedient. Be light. Be salt. Uh, but when I'm done uh, praying here, if you, if you need prayer for anything, uh, you need a miracle. We're seeing miracles. You need a breakthrough in your life. Whatever it is, we're going to have some of our, our small group leaders and pastors. I God, we thank you for today. God, what a great day. Uh, Lord, I pray that this word would challenge us as we leave today. I pray that, God, that we would not be those that have lost our saltiness. We would not be those that are hiding our lamp under a basket. But, God, we'd be those that just by who we are with our story and with our testimony and living our life according to the word, God, would be salty and be bright. And that we would see, Lord, thousands coming through the doors of Canvas Church. Not hundreds, but thousands. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Come on, prayer team. Come on, my prayer. I got some small group up here, some pastors up here. If you need prayer for anything, come on up. Love to pray for you on your way out. 
There's lots going on in the lobby. If you're a lady and not signed up for the conference, you need to get signed up. Um, I think over 100 ladies now are signed up, coming out. Get signed up. Be one. It's going to be awesome. So you can see Kathy back there. Trunk or treat right around the corner, three weeks away. Go see Pastor Anthony. Get signed up to do a trunk, some candy. And uh, make sure you stop by the heart for the house. Grab a tag. What are you going to give November 12th? God bless.